Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everybody, before we get started today, we have two reminders, and one announcement. A ratio I love. <laughs> First of all, uh, let's see, this, this episode's going up on Wednesday. This Friday, June 23rd, will be the first date of my tour on the western side of the United States of America. I will be playing in Denver, in Vegas, baby, in uh, Tempe, Arizona, in San Diego, in Anaheim, in San Francisco, in Portland, and in Seattle. You can get all the tour dates and ticket information for those shows where I'll be opening for Streetlight Manifesto at my website, JennyOwenYoungs.com. Yes, and I will see you if you're coming out to the San Francisco, Seattle, or Portland shows, because mm. I will be there with Jenny, so that's fun. Yay! And also this Saturday, June 24th, if you live in New York City or near New York City, you should come on down to Housing Works Bookstore Cafe at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We are throwing, I am throwing, in a partnership with Auto Straddle. It's the Auto Straddle and Everyone is Gay All Ages Pride Party. We will have music from B. Studwell, Julia Weldon, a performance by the Urban Word Slam Team, the Youth Poet Slam Team, and I will be hosting it along with Gabby Rivera, who is the uh, author of Juliet Takes a Breath, as well as Marvel's America. The event is free and open to the public. It is a beautiful, wonderful event. You should come on out. And if you need more details, you can find them. The pinned tweet on Everyone is Gay's Twitter has the link. It is on the Housing Works Bookstore Cafe events page as well as on the Everyone is Gay events page on Facebook. So we, I hope to see many of your wonderful faces there. And now... <laughs> For an announcement. Oh my gosh. We're really excited because as of today, we have brand new merchandise in our store. We have not one, not two, but three new t-shirts in what? the store. We have a t-shirt designed by Cameron Glavin that has an adorable werewolf on it playing a guitar. And the caption reads... Even a werewolf is better than misogyny. Hooray. We have a new color uh, of Just Keep Fighting, uh, like a maroon rust color with a darker print. It's really, really cool. Yeah. And we have another shirt designed by Isabella Rotman that is an Awoo shirt. It is gorgeous. It's the best. I love it so much. It's so great. They're all really good. All of those things are in the store as well as the physical albums for season one and season two of our songs. So we put both of them up. If you were a patron, you got a little heads up uh, before this episode went up because you're awesome. But for the rest of you, just note they both are limited runs. So if you want a physical copy, order it now. The store, uh, we will be traveling. So the store's shipments will go out on July 7th. So uh, order now if you'd like. They will go out on July 7th. We are so excited. The store can be found on our website, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Just click on shop. Welcome 
Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time in sweet chronological order, but not today, my friends. Today is a very special day. Today is Mailbag Day. Today we have your emails read aloud, commented upon, your questions answered. What a sweet, sweet, blessed day this is. I'm Jenny Owen Young. And I'm Kristen Russo looking at Jenny Owen Young, who does not have a script in her hands. That was all just off the cuff. Just vibing. Uh, we're really excited to dig into some mail. So excited. Right? Jenny got to read so much mail today. I had I had a system. I flagged them. I left home. I said, when I get back, you have to have read all those emails. Yep, yep. I completed my assignment. And I when wrote I call- notes when I called, When I called, you were like, hello. And I was like, I was Hi. in such a good mood yeah. reading all our great mail. I know. All of the mail we get is so great. If you are just tuning in and you're like, how do you send mail? What's mail? You can always email us at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. And if you only want to use stamps and paper, go on over to bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Contact page has our mailing address so you can send us snail mail. By all means. Please but not do. actual snails, please. No, no, no. Nobody wants a snail in the mail. Well, <laughs> I guess probably like a, a probably an eagle, a, a seagull. <laughs> what kind of a bird eats a snail? I feel like um neither a neither a seagull nor nor an eagle nor a corvid of any stripe corvid? would turn its beak up at a snail as a meal. A corvid corvids are the that's the umbrella that includes but is not limited to magpies, ravens, rooks, crows. Blackbeard's baby. Unbelievable. All the agents, the various agents of the Doom Ravens of Stonehenge across the globe reporting back to their evil, evil bird overlords. Right. Great. So with that, I just want to make sure that I didn't leave any birds out because they would love a snail in the mail. (laughs) We would not. (laughs) Yes. Please send all your snail, your literal snail mail to some birds. Yes. Not us. Thank you very much. So, Jenny. Kristen. So many emails. We need to jump right in. Let's get right to it. This is great. You all are great. I don't think that there have ever been greater people than you people. If you're listening to this, it means you're great. Good job. You send great emails. And even if you don't send us emails, you're probably thinking great thoughts. It's true. So let's start with a question from Devra. Yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. Devra wants to know, how do you come up with an original song each week? I'm amazed. Going to keep this sentence in here. I'm amazed at how prolific you are. (gasps) They're good songs. Also, who plays the drums and other backup instruments on the recordings? Who does it, Jenny? Oh my gosh. <laughs> what a what a delightful question and comment. Well, it's me. <laughs> I, I do most of the stuff, but I don't actually play the drums. I just program them. But but all the instruments you hear are either played or programmed by me, with the exception of uh, once in a while, Kristen will come in and lay down a shaker. Mm-hmm. Sometimes or, uh, a glock. She'll, she'll talk sing. Although, actually, the glock that's in... What song is that? Oh, the, the glock that's in Halloween. That's actually not me, but if you come to a live show sometime, you'll see me play yeah. that part live. The thing, the thing that we love about that is that uh, we needed a rhyme. For something, and yeah. we, we couldn't think of one. And Kristen was like, "What about Kristen hit that Glock?" <laughs> and I was like, "That's hilarious." And then I like programmed the Glock in, and Kristen was like, "I love how in the uh, the universe of of our songs, Buffy knows Buffy me. Buffy knows Buffy me. Like, Buffy's calls like, me out. hey, Kristen." And I'm like, "Yeah, Buff." 
ding, 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 ding. Right. Always, always ready. She's got her steak. I've got my mallet. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Uh, also, that kind of answers or partially answers your earlier question. How do you come up with an original song each week? Um, so we really do create the song every week. Like we don't, we're not really ahead. We hope maybe in season three to like get like a little toe. Just a, just a just toe a ahead would touch. be amazing. Ahead would be great. But, but we have historically never been ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're always racing the clock. Sometimes we're really good, which means that we will start on Thursday conceptualizing a song um, mm-hmm. and then, you know, write it all throughout the the week leading up to recording it on Monday or Tuesday for the episode. But sometimes it is Sunday and we have not started yet because we've been busy with other things. So it is always a race to the finish line. We generally like our process is usually that Jenny creates uh, sort of the skeleton or, or or a series of skeletons. Yeah, I'll come. I'll usually write like maybe three sort of starts that are Mm -hmm. like, this is a a vibe and this is a vibe and this is a vibe. And like with songs like, um, with with songs uh, like for the episode, I Only Have Eyes For You, we wanted to do something that was very much in that that flamingos, doo-wop, super plate reverbed out, sort of like bop, 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 six, eight kind of thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So like we angled, like I angled the little starts in that direction, you know? And then like once I have like a few ideas, we'll kind of kick them back and forth. Kristen will say, I like this, I don't like that. What if you do this instead? Bop, bop, bop. Right. Right, and once we have the skeleton fleshed out, uh, then we sit and we write lyrics together. But it also depends on the week, you know. Becoming uh, the episodes around the bend for you all that those song like the songs that are more serious in nature, Angel. I'm trying to think of uh, what's my line or not what's my line. Um, innocence uh, and surprise. Innocence, surprise, lie to me. Yeah, those songs I like usually go away into a dark corner for a minute. Yeah, I I let Jenny take take more lyrical control over the songs that are (laughs) emotional yeah that are more emotional because I feel like you just do a really great job at that and that's and it's it's also a harder thing for us to collaborate on I I, I'm I'm okay at coming in and tweaking those things but Mm -hmm. you know but then then with like silly songs like like Halloween yeah Kristen was like what if the chorus was it's the big Halloween switcheroo. I, said, I, I actually like, said, what if the chorus is, it's the big Halloween <laughs> switcheroo. <laughs> and you were like, true. okay, all right. Um, so yeah. sometimes I contribute uh, entire melodies. Some, sometimes very... I like, sometimes I get stuck and Kristen, you know, writes almost the entire, you know what I mean? Sometimes you're like, what about this line, this line, this line? And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Oh, and I know the fourth line, you right. know, and we'll go back and forth It's like really, that. it's really been cool. I mean, this, this is what Jenny does all the time, but for me, it's the first time I've ever participated in songwriting and it's been really exciting and fun. I love it. Um, I love, I love it on the regular, but I really love doing it with you because it's, it's so different from the settings I'm normally writing music in. And also because like, normally in settings that you're writing and people aren't like, okay, go make me a coffee now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rarely asked to make uh, somebody else a coffee in, in a pop songwriting setting. That's, that's true. Um, but I'm really glad that you asked me to make you coffee all oh, the time. Oh, you're very, very nice. So mm-hmm. let's jump into, um, so we have some episode-specific questions from you all. Let's start with Innocence. Amy has some important information. Jenny, would you like to share that information with the listeners? Uh, yes, I would. Amy wrote to us and said, you were not the only ones who were uncomfortable with the sex sounds, in quotes, in that dream sequence. Joss was too. In fact... He was too embarrassed to ask the actors to make them, so the moaning is actually him and the sound editor, not Sarah and David. 
Just thought that was a fun fact to share. This is a great fact. Which I think Amy had mentioned um, in their email that uh, they saw it in one of the um, DVD special feature comment tracks. Yes. Commentary tracks. Yes. And we had a few of you write to us with this information. uh, Which is great. It's so great. That's a really fun behind the scenes fact. Um, Something else. We had a lot of, a lot of opinions. Lot of opinions from you all on our orgasm clause. So this is the episode that we did with Joanna Robinson. <laughs> I miss you, Joanna Robinson. Wish was, you were here. Wish you were here all the time. Uh, Tamlin wrote in, so many people, but I'm going to read Tamlin's email. Email to us about this orgasm clause. It's not an orgasm clause. It's a moment of true happiness, even contentment, where the burden of his soul is not pressing down on him. Angel awakens from his sleep after banging Buffy to the stabbing pain. You you okay? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, To the stabbing pain of his soul being stripped away from him. It's post-orgasm contentment in the form of a finally peaceful slumber that ends up with the soul removal. I'm sorry, but your math is wrong. So... I don't think our math is wrong, is all I'm saying. I'm, I understand what you're saying about contentment post-orgasm, but our math specifically stated love plus orgasm equals negative one soul. It wasn't <laughs> orgasm equals negative one soul. It, it, it needs the love plus or... That's the whole point of the math. So what I feel is confused here is that in a lot of your heads, the... The love contentment must always be separate from the orgasm. You're saying Angel has probably had orgasms before, still kept his soul. Well, yeah, because he wasn't in love. It was a different kind of orgasm. Don't take the orgasm away from us. Wow. That's what I have to say, Jenny. Um, Also, I defend our stance based on the inherent hilarity of the phrase orgasm clause. (laughs) Yes, yes. Agree. So... Uh, we respect you all. We do believe that perhaps you are right. Perhaps you're right. Perhaps you're right that the moment of contentment post-orgasm was what lost the soul, but maintain that our math can still be defended based on love plus orgasm equals one negative soul. Thank you very much <laughs> for your consideration. Hell math. Okay, so a couple other things before we jump back into the episode-specific emails um heather wrote to us to say this summer my wife and i will celebrate 10 years of being together one of the requirements before we got married was that then in parentheticals not really but well kinda was that she watched every episode of buffy she of course loved it we even have a buffy the vampire slayer line engraving in our wedding bands but most excitingly i'm pregnant with our first child we're having a little boy and figured hey why not name him oz so we did Baby Oz is expected to arrive around October 21st. Awoo! Oh my god. Oh my god, if that baby is 10 days later than the projected date, werewolf baby Oz will be born on Halloween. Just <gasps> saying. Wow. Just saying. Ooh, I wonder what, how full the moon will be when baby Oz is born. <gasps> you know? This is great. Heather and Heather's wife and baby Oz, congratulations. That's exciting. Nina. Nina. Nee. Nina might win MVP for this mailbag. Okay. This is pretty amazing stuff. Nina Nina wrote to us to share with us a buffering bingo game that Nina created. It is 35 different bingo cards that have things like Gabby Dunn is mentioned, Joss Whedon directs. 
Cordelia jingle. The patriarchy. Yeah. There's 35 different cards that you can play with. They're up on our Patreon page for everyone. Uh, you know, it's a free post, so you can just go on over to bufferingthevampireslayer.com, click on Patreon, and uh, the most recent post or one of the most recent public posts will be Buffering Bingo. So if you'd like, you can print out one or all 35 cards and play along and let us know when you get Buffering Bingo. Yes. Nina, thank you. What a gem. Oh, my gosh. All right, next we've got an email from Rachel about phases. Rachel writes, Just listening to phases, and it made me grin because you were all, whenever Willow and Cordelia are together, they win the sexual attention award. Truth. They, they do. And that was right after we learned that the werewolf is drawn to, in quotes, sexual heat. <laughs> now remind me, who did the werewolf jump out of nowhere right next to? That's right. Willow and Cordelia. Amazing, Rachel. Thank you for Brilliant observation, yes, Rachel. Absolutely brilliant observation. So Aria wrote in on the episode Bewitched, and we loved this insight. Aria writes, I heard y'all mention some potential reasons why the love spell in Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered had a few unintended consequences, but you didn't mention my favorite theory. During the casting, we don't hear Amy mention Cordelia's name. She directs the spell to, quote, the heart of Xander's beloved. While she does also use a personal item of Cordelia's, the necklace was a relatively recent gift from Xander, so it might not have been 100% perfect in directing the spell. The magic may have needed to guess who Xander's beloved is, and realistically, Xander wants every girl he can't have, except Cordelia, who he just wants to punish. So I posit that the spell did not backfire at all. It worked precisely as Amy requested, going straight to the heart of Xander's beloved, all non-Cordelia women. This also <laughs> explains why we don't see a love-struck Larry. The spell isn't making a heteronormative statement so much as it is reflecting Xander's sexuality, which happens to be straight. Also, I feel like Xander loses any moral high ground over Buffy in this episode. He often gives her a hard time for liking Angel, but apparently Xander is also vamp-sexual because Drusilla was affected by the spell. Wow. Arya nailing it. Out of the park. Absolutely. I love this theory. And it, yeah, that, that sums up Xander, doesn't it? Yeah, that is. That wants, must... wants any lady who won't <laughs> have him. Uh, okay, let's, let's jump back into some questions. So Christy wrote in to say, looking back, I've been thinking about all these old shows that I loved and watched religiously. Battlestar Galactica, Facts of Life, Star Trek, ne Star Trek Next Generation, Little House, MASH, I could go on. I was a latchkey kid. I grew up watching a lot of TV, and it filled this need that a lot of people feel to find community outside of their small town and small-minded families. Can you speak about other TV shows that you loved, especially shows not currently on the air? I would love to hear about characters that you latched onto, crushed on, admired, and maybe a little bit about the themes in those shows that kept you coming back. This is such an exciting question. Jenny, do you have like a show that pops immediately into your mind? Uh, immediately, I think of the X Files, mm -hmm. you know, which which I just loved so much growing up and still watch now, and it totally holds up for me. And I just like love, love, love so much the the two leads, um, David Duchovny playing Fox Mulder and Gillian Anderson playing Dana Scully. They're so great, um, and and there's this really fantastic thing about the show where like there are these like two very attractive smart, compatible, uh, amazing characters that are really fun to watch interact with each other. And they have, like, for a good, good chunk of the series, they have, like, this really great relationship that, like, there might be, like, flirting or, like, winking, but, like, 
they never, you know, they don't cross that line for a really long time, you know, like the shipping line. And watching like that relationship develop for so many seasons um, platonically, but also sort of like it almost feels like, you know, they're each other's family. Mm. Um, You know, like I I just like love watching their relationship develop um, for a number of of, uh, seasons. I have never seen the I've saw I've seen the new episodes of the X Files and a handful. Which, no, no, no. Right, 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 right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like I, I was never um, an X Files watcher, though I'm sure that you and I will watch it together someday. Yes, indeed. My gosh, when I think about about my favorite television shows, especially you know, in high school, like moving into high school, my so called life was everything to me. Everything. Oh yeah. I petitioned. I oh, was there anybody on that show you had a crush on? I mean, like, just yeah, just you know, Jordan Catalano. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The most one of one of the top most beautiful uh, girls in the land. Yep, yep. Uh, I, and I loved that show. It. it I mean, I really, I walked around the, the halls of my high school with a petition to send into the network to keep the show on. It was. So incredibly moving to me. Definitely love Jordan Catalano. Um, I but I also like Roseanne was fucking huge oh, man. for me. Yeah, this now is like uh, rife with controversy. But the Cosby Show was something that I watched religiously as a kid, and then rewatched in my early twenties. Shows like those. I mean, you know, Roseanne broke so much ground in so many ways. Even just reading Roseanne's journey on that show as somebody who was create the creator, you know, the creator of the idea, the creator of the concept and battling every step of the way Mm -hmm. to have her name shown in the proper places. Like that was stuff I didn't even know as a kid watching. But also Roseanne, I think, gave Joss Whedon his first writing gig. Yes. Ah, It all comes full circle. Mm -hmm. That that show pushed the boundaries of what we were seeing on television at that time. And I still I, I think it still holds a place, a very unique place of showing a working class family and mm-hmm. grappling with issues that many shows were not. And you know what else did that? <gasps> the Golden the Girls. The fucking Golden Girls. Yeah. Nailed it, Jenny. The Golden Girls was unpacking important shit way back before most people were. And The Golden Girls is a show that I love, love, love. I could watch episodes of it anytime, anywhere, any day. Why Why do you think it is that, uh, like, based on this loose conversation that we're having, it feels like a conclusion somebody could draw is, is uh, in the 80s and 90s maybe sitcoms were really the place where, um, you know, late 80s, early 90s, sitcoms were really the place where uh, progressive ideas could be explored more easily. And, and like, what is that? Is it that, like, uh, maybe s- sitcoms are, like, a lower budget? I'm not even really sure, like, what exactly was on TV, like, what contemporary shows were competing with, like, the Golden Girls or right. Roseanne. Right, yeah. I don't I don't know, and I don't really know. I mean, I certainly am not equipped with the information to, like, properly dissect that. But I do think that there are shows now that are doing that same thing. I think that there are different formats and what have you. But, like, we loved One Day at a Time and are oh, so yeah. excited for One Day at a Time to come back. And I think that that is another example of a sitcom, a current day, uh, you know, present day sitcom that is – Cracking apart really important issues while also keeping us laughing. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's the thing. It's just uh, easier to get into people's heads if you're, you know, making them laugh at the same time. I think there are some people in this world who know that you can be funny and make positive change. And there are some people in this world who think the only way to be funny is to be um, offensive 
or you know shocking shocking or dumbing things down or whatever and I think the big difference between the shows that like we're listing as shows that we love and shows that we did not love is that the shows that we love were made by people who trusted us to be an audience who would understand who would follow and Mm -hmm. would want to unpack some of these things and who would want to engage in some of these things those are the shows that that move me the most the ones that trust me to be able to go on the journey and the ones that tell the truth and i and i do think that those shows some of my favorites i loved them so much because they were such a close mirror to things that were happening in our day-to-day lives and to, to, and to things that, that were not talked about. You know, we're, we're talking about the Golden Girls. We're talking about Roseanne. We're talking about the Cosby Show. A lot of these shows really put things on our plates that we knew were happening but that no one would talk about. Mm-hmm. And I think that is really, really moving to me. And in the world of crushes... I will just yes, Jordan <laughs> Catalano, but also Rayanne Graff. Come on. Come on. Loved, I idolized Rayanne Graff, maybe more than a crush. I just wanted uh-huh. to be Rayanne Graff for my so-called life. I also uh, loved, when I was a kid, I had a huge, didn't know it was a crush, but definitely looking back, know it was a crush, on Samantha Maselli from Who's the Boss? Alyssa Milano. <laughs> Still have a crush on her. I just followed her throughout the years. You know, wow. when I was eight and she was eight, crushes. When I was 14 and she was 14, <laughs> crushes. Oh, you know what I loved in high school? Uh, first, I loved the legendary journeys of Hercules, and then I loved its spin-off, Xena, Warrior Princess. Ah, the classic. Um, I recently went out to Joshua Tree with a couple of my friends, and we happened upon some Xena, Warrior Princess postcards at the Joshua Tree gift shop, and it got us talking about Xena, and I, me and my friend's boyfriend, Jack... Oh, we're just like going, hand, like, oh my God, remember this from Xena, remember that from Xena. And Molly, my friend, and his his uh, then girlfriend, now wife, could not care less, was just like, okay, you guys have fun talking about Xena forever and ever. We got so amped driving all the way back from Joshua Tree to Los Angeles. I could not wait to crank up Netflix and, or Hulu, wherever it's streaming, and watch an episode of Xena Warrior Princess. And I started an episode and was just like, Hmm. Didn't hold up for you. This is not what I remember. But what I'll say is that that was just like a random episode in the middle of the series. I want to go back to the beginning and watch. Because when I was a kid, I was like super, I was a super nerd for Greek and Roman uh, mythology. I loved reading it. Mm -hmm. Um, So when Hercules became a show, I was like, yeah. (laughs) And then when there was this spinoff, called Xena Warrior Princess, I was like, oh my God. Did you were you like psyched that it was like this girl who had a lot of power? Like did you identify with that or did you just more want to be Hercules? I don't know, but I do recall very specifically there is an episode where there is a kiss between two ladies. And somehow I saw it when it actually aired at my house. And then, like, the next night there was an encore showing at my friend's house. And I remember, like, getting really tense and being like, oh, my God, it's going to happen. What's everybody going to say? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And how Having old Having all these, you? like, secret queer thoughts. Right. I think I was a sophomore. So you were, you were, like, aware that you were gay when you were watching that. Yeah. But not – but it wasn't something I was really talking about with anybody right. else. Right, right, right. Um, but I, like, definitely remember the – First, having that moment alone and being like, oh, my God, did that just happen on TV? Oh, my God. Uh, and then, like, 
preparing for it, knowing it was about to come. I have no idea yeah. if anybody most else who was the, watching even noticed that it happened. Most of the shows that we, I'm sure they did. Most, I mean, that wasn't a common thing to happen on television at that point. And, and what's funny is that most of the shows that we talked about are shows where there was at least uh, an arc of a gay character or a queer character mm. in the television show. Mm -hmm. You know, Roseanne certainly dealt with uh, sexuality. What were the other shows? My So-Called Life, obviously. Ricky of course. had to be, I mean, Ricky had to be the, the first bisexual male character, uh, like recurring character on television. I will look that up, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that sure. seems right. I cannot imagine that there was a character before Ricky who was an out bisexual male. Per mm -hmm. You know, per perhaps, of course, an out gay male. But Ricky was notably bisexual. Yeah. Uh, and that is huge. Big we deal. don't even see that now, you yeah. know? And this was like 94. Because you know why? Bisexual erasure. Oh, I thought you were going to say because of the patriarchy, which is... Which, well, bisexual erasure is direct Direct result of... Of the patriarchy. Yes. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's check out this email from Heather about passion. Kristen and I, notably in our episode about passion, were like, why is uh, Jenny Calendar's, why does Jenny Calendar's tombstone say Jenny Calendar? Her birth name was Yana, the Calderash people. You know, what's happening there? And this is what Heather wrote to us, which I think is uh, so insightful and great. First, as far as we know, the Scoobies don't know that she was named Yana. That reveal was only between her and her uncle, who is dead and thus can't correct them. Great point. Secondly, someone's name is not necessarily who they are. She was born into the Calderash and named Yana. However, after coming to Sunnydale and getting to know Buffy and her friends and coming to love Giles, she wasn't Yana anymore. She was Jenny. I feel that Yana would have listened to her uncle and done everything to stop Angel and Buffy before he lost his soul without a second thought. But Jenny got to know them and cared for them and felt for them, and as such found it harder to detach herself from the group and cause that pain to her friends. Which I think, like, 
I, that really packed a punch for me. I, I when I got to this email, I was like, yeah, right. Like, what is in a name, and and how we use our names, and in I think in our initial watch, we were like. I found it like, well, that's offensive that like her history isn't being honored on her tombstone. But also this is a solid counterpoint that perhaps, it, well, A, they didn't know her name. Uh, but mm-hmm. but B, and I think the bigger thing that we're discussing here is like the, the choice, the what happens to us and our name and what isn't a name and did Jenny become Jenny right. during her time in Sunnydale and how... How would she have wanted her name on her tombstone yeah. after everything that she had gone through? Would she have wanted Yana? Would she have wanted Jenny? Who Like, we can't know, but that there's more to it than just they didn't put her, her quote, real name. Right. Thank you so much, Heather. Thank you so much, Heather. And thank you so much, Brittany, who wrote in on Killed by Death with a couple of things. Uh, I had a thought, Brittany says, while I was listening about Cordy and Xander, how they sort of exemplify the hedgehog's dilemma. The hedgehog's dilemma? They want to have a close reciprocal relationship, but they're both too prickly for it to work. This is the saddest tale nature has ever told. Right? There's a real thing called the hedgehog's dilemma, sometimes also called the porcupine dilemma. Mm -hmm. We looked it up, and it is exactly as Brittany says hedgehogs or porcupines will want to get together for warmth but they can't get close enough to each other because of their prickles it's so sad oh, and what a great metaphor or symbol for cordelia and xander i love yeah. this Brittany delighted us with that but then just took our delight to right through the roof yeah. by the postscript included did you know hufflepuff in french is poof souffle <laughs> No, we didn't, and now we do. And when people ask me what my house is, I will say... Poof souffle! Poof souffle. And just in case you didn't see on social media, I am a Hufflepuff, and everyone asked what Jenny is. Jenny, what are you? I am a Ravenclaw. A Ravenclaw. We also got this email from Diane in Germany. Diane wrote, Kruger is a typical German name. We're talking about Freddy Kruger here, right? So is it a coincidence that the Freddy-type episode... Features a German monster, Der Kinderstad. I don't think so. Thank you, Diane. Diane. Thank you. Thank you for hard my point. agree. Hard agree. Uh, Rebecca writes in on Only Have Eyes for You. This is a great, this is a detailed and wonderful email. Hi, I love your podcast. Thank you, Rebecca. I would like to share my thoughts on why the poltergeist only now popped up because we had raised the question like, well, if this poltergeist what's this comes, poltergeist been doing right with its since afterlife. 1956, what's been going on? Uh, so Rebecca says, do ghosties get more powerful the older they are, the longer they've been angsting around? If so, that could play a part. But I think it's also a perfect storm timing thing. In the previous few months, there were two really tragic and violent events, both involving a lot of emotional turmoil and both related to a romance. Angel didn't die except perhaps semantically, but Buffy is walking around school grieving him like he did. James's ghost really seems to identify with her feelings of guilt and anger at herself that she followed through with a passionate encounter because she loved someone so much it made her a little bit blind. James is showing Buffy his memories, trying to get to a catharsis through her because Buffy is identifying with his role in what happened. She feels like she killed Angel. Deep. Sorry, keep going. Yes, yes. The poltergeist isn't Jenny Calendar, but both she and Giles were about to finally reconnect romantically the night she died. She died violently in the very halls James has been haunting, and Giles has been carrying his grief through them too every day since. So Buffy and Giles have both been carrying these huge amounts of grief and regret and love and other complicated emotions through the school every day after the sudden end to their romantic relationships and deaths in the school, and that just seems like not only a nice juicy dinner for a poltergeist, but also a way for James 
James to end his own suffering for good. Wow. This is brilliant. Rebecca wrote, so Rebecca, we read your email. T- uh, two other people wrote emails to us that, that we read, Deborah and Travis, that had similar theories mm-hmm. that tragic deaths, violent deaths, and the context. James's relation to Buffy. Yes, were what activated, in in a sense, this poltergeist. So it wasn't that the poltergeist has been haunting it the whole time. The poltergeist has kind of been like charging up, right, right, wondering right. what's up, and then <laughs> these events sort of ignited him to full-fledged poltergeisty power. Yes. I love that. Me too. I think Rebecca's theory stands. I uh, plus. submit it to the canon of Buffy <laughs> the Vampire Slayer for review. Thank you very much. Next, we've got a great Willow-related theory from Heather. <laughs> Heather writes, After a full day spent alternately watching Buffy and listening to your podcasts, I've seen Willow in a parade of adorable sweaters and eccentric felted hats, and I have a theory that explains everything. Willow's mother knits. Because Willow's such a sweet person, she would wear everything her mother knits for her, which would just encourage her mother to knit more, and thus, Willow has a closet that's just full of sweaters and hats. I'll bet she has scarves and mittens, too, and we simply don't see them often because Willow lives in Southern California. I don't want to be gender normative. The knitter might be Willow's father or her cool gay uncle, but I'm increasingly convinced that someone who loves Willow is knitting for her. Great point. Great point. Mystery solved. <laughs> Thank you, Heather. Laura wrote in with a few questions that I think we can I think we can answer most of these questions just bing bang boom. What do you think? Yeah, let's go for it. Do you usually listen to Fashion Watch before you play it on air? Yes. Yeah, we we do because we don't want to talk about the same stuff that Kate talks about. Yeah. So we do our best to get the fashion watch from Kate, listen to it, and then record the episode. So we usually know what's gonna be in it. But in the first few episodes, that is not how it was done. And so you'll see that we we're, we're, we repeat each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we learned how to not do that. Um, <laughs> two, when you play the jingles, do you play them in real time? I picture you both with a panel of flashy buttons for sound cues like those old radio shows. I wish we had a flashy Me panel of buttons. Too. I have always wanted a flashy panel of buttons to play <laughs> sound cues from. I just think it would be so great. And we do not have that, though. We um, record and we sort of hit pause where the jingles go. And then later in post-production, we put the jingles in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sometimes we have guests. So we play the jingles for them so they know what the jingles sound like. Uh, Number three, how is Patrol Cat? We'll be talking about Patrol Cat and the new animal addition to our daily rounds uh, in episode for Becoming Part One. But I will tell you that Variant Patrol Cat, who is a tabby, not regular Patrol Cat. I have seen Variant Patrol Cat around. That's not a spoiler for Uh next week. (laughs) But Patrol Cat is alive and well. Yes, alive, yes. Alive and very well. But we will get into the details of Patrol Cat's rerouted patrol <laughs> next week. Uh, and then uh, Lara asks, do you guys have, have you played the Buffy board game that was just released? It is fantastic. We have not played it yet. However. But do you know who has a copy of it? Brittany Ashley. Uh-huh. Who else would have? Who but Brittany Ashley. Yes. And Brittany has invited us over when we get back from our travels in July to play the board game with her. So we will be doing that. We will be sure to let you know how it goes. I can't wait. I can't wait either. Uh, I want to, I would like to, Jenny, I would like to end with uh, an email from Toby. Toby says, I wanted to give a quick thank you for the wonderful work you do with the podcast. It's been a long time since I've seen Buffy, but because of y'all, I'm going to rewatch this summer, I've decided. 
But more than that, I wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being so wonderfully queer. As a mid-America small town trans gay, trademark, it's <laughs> rare in my everyday life to see other queer people at all. Never mind other queer people that are seemingly so happily married, such as yourselves, especially nowadays, that y'all and your podcast have become something incredibly special and important in my day-to-day -day life. Your guest episodes have been my absolute favorite, if only because it's reassuring and heartwarming to think that maybe one day I can find my own group of queer people or queer supportive people to geek out over things with and just have a happy, normal life, much like y'all have. So I just wanted to read this because it, it just warmed my heart so much. And it made me want to say to you, Toby, that yes, you will have a group of queer and or queer supportive people that you will be able to geek out over things with. And I know that because mm -hmm. of the sheer volume of queer people and people who support queer people who are listening to this podcast right now. That It's we, just a numbers game. It is a numbers game that we are literally everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And sometimes it takes a little bit longer to find those people, but they are closer than you think. Mm -hmm. And it means so much to both of us to be able to talk about something that we love, but also to be able to be visible with our lives in a way that um, helps uplift a lot of other people who go through some of the same things that we do. Yeah. So... Thank you so much for your note, and um, and I did say your trademark, so just repeating, mid-America small town trans gay, that is trademarked to Toby, <laughs> so please uh, contact Toby with any questions or concerns regarding <laughs> that trademark, um, but Toby, sending a lot of love to you. Oh, yeah. It's pretty powerful when we get emails and notes like this one. It really, really means a lot. Um, it's kind of like... When I went to a movie recently. Oh, a movie. And saw an island full of Amazons <laughs> training. You felt you felt finally seen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so did I. Uh, Jenny is talking about the movie uh, Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> no, uh, she's talking about Wonder Woman, which is a great example of people feeling very seen. Whew. Very seen. We Peak left that movie. Scene. My sister left the movie and she texted me and she was like, I feel like I could run 10 miles right now. <laughs> like, you know, it just, uh, um, yeah. Actually, Jenny, I'm glad that you bring up Wonder Woman because mm, because I, I, it's the best thing. It's the it's, only thing worth talking about besides Buffy. Thing, yes, only thing worth talking about besides Buffy. But no, because I, I said I was going to end with Toby, but since you brought up Wonder Woman, Jennifer did write into us saying, I missed getting in bed with Kristen. Uh, in case you don't know, that's a, a live series I do on Facebook. Uh, it wasn't an invitation, a public open invitation to get in bed with me. <laughs> I mean, it was. But, no, it wasn't. But virtually, uh. virtually. Um Getting in Bed with Kristen is a series I do with Autostraddle. It's most Thursdays uh, live on their Facebook page where I answer advice and things are themed. And Jenny got in bed with me for getting in bed with Kristen a couple of weeks ago. For the and first time ever. That was yes, the only time we ever yes, shared a bed. Go on. Uh, Jennifer missed the episode and only saw the clip of Jenny talking about... Uh, Wonder Woman. And Jen, Jennifer says, I've seen the movie twice and I just want to keep talking about it all the time and I would love to hear you guys talk about it too. Well, Jennifer, perhaps a great place for us to end this mailbag episode is to let you know that in a couple of weeks we will be talking about Wonder Woman here at Buffering the Vampire Slayer. We're going to do a very special episode about our thoughts and feelings on Wonder Woman. Woo! And we're very excited about it. Woo! And you should stay tuned for it. It will be happening in July. Yes. And we might even have like a, maybe like a special guest or something that we will talk could to. Could happen. About it could happen. Wonder Woman. It could. Maybe it will. Who knows? We don't know. Do you know? No. 
Nobody knows. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. Uh, thank you all for writing in these incredible emails. We did not get to read all of the emails that we want to do. There are just so many, but um, we really appreciate all that you write into us. And please keep sending them, whether they be comments, clarifications, or questions about us or the series or anything like that. We will try to tackle them in a future mailbag. Most definitely keep them coming. Well, that's it for us today. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, wherever, at Jenny Owen Youngs. Yes, and I'm Kristen Russo, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, or wherever, uh, at Kristen Nolene, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter and Facebook, at BufferingCast, and you can always drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. You can. And if you'd like to support us, we would love it if you did. You can go on over to our Patreon page. You can find that on our website, BufferingTheVampireSlayer.com. Just click on Patreon. You can support us over there. You can leave us a good review on iTunes. We always love those. Or you can go and get some new merchandise yeah. from our store. Support yourself and us at the same time. <laughs> uh, you can find that link also on our website. Just click on Shop from BufferingTheVampireSlayer.com. Till part one of the finale. Woo! Ah-woo! Mailbag. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.